everybody. Welcome back to Home Design Chat with Nancy. Well, today is March 11th, another beautiful day in Phoenix, except we finally got some rain, which we really need. So I was thinking, what subject would be interesting for this show? I think uh, the evolution of the kitchen, possibly, where everybody... um, Everybody, let's face it, had a kitchen in their house, no matter how old you are. And if you could think of the way the kitchen was in The Honeymooners or Lassie or, well, Leave it to Beaver was a little older, and you think, okay, how did we get from there to today? And so I have a guest today that has been a kitchen designer as long, well, maybe a little bit longer than me, and we're going to talk about how things have changed from the 50s on to today. Uh, Now, this subject that I started researching was so interesting, and I kind of got carried away. So we're going to split the show into actually two. Next week, we're going to continue with uh, the 90s to the present. But today, we're going to talk about the 50s, 60s, and 70s and 80s, how the kitchen has changed. So my guest, Les Sturdivant, and uh, he's sitting right across from me. And hey, Les, thanks for stopping by. We're going to talk about this. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me. And first, we're going to tell everybody what your new project is. So my new project is my new studio in Old Town, Scottsdale, uh, called Design a Dream Kitchen Studio. My latest addition to to the studio is we recently became the distributor for Clive Christian Furniture from London. And so that's sort of separately branded as Clive Christian Furniture Scottsdale. Very interesting. And congratulations. Thank you. So when is your new showroom opening? We're targeting April. April the middle, I hope. Middle of April. Sounds good. Right after uh, tax day. That would be good. You had to remind me, did you? Yeah, right. (laughs) So let's go uh, take our brains to 1950. I should say our imaginations. Um, I remember in the early 50s, my parents had a kitchen as big as a matchbox. It had a freestanding sink unit, stainless steel or maybe aluminum. I don't even know what it was made of. It was metal. And then we had a refrigerator standing there, and we had a stove standing there. Not much else. And so my father built this god-awful piece of storage unit. What was your earliest recollection of your kitchen? My parents built uh, built their first home in 1947, and uh, ditto for, for what you just said. It was a, a, a one wall of, of, of cabinetry, one piece uh, built up, constructed at that time. They, they built it all in one piece with generally no backs, on the cabinets, uh, and uh, generally a painted finish. Ours was white, which I guess was pretty typical. Uh, yeah, I guess it was. So um, countertops. What did you use for? What did your parents use for countertops? So countertops were actually a. Um, that was prior to formica, so it was a linoleum with a metal front edge on it. We had a neighbor who, big deal, they remodeled their kitchen. What they did was put linoleum, which I think the millenniums have no idea what we're talking about. But they put it on their counter, and they also put it on their floor, and they thought, wow, look at this. It matches. I remember I was about, I don't know, seven years old, and I thought, this is ugly. But, hey, to each his own. So you talked about the cabinets being all one piece. So typically... 
I find cabinets in houses today where the people want to remodel. And the cabinets were built in one piece, and they're saying, oh, this is custom. Well, that's because modular cabinets, as we know, box cabinets, they didn't really become popular until, well, the 50s. Um, but before that, people would get their their uh, hammer and their wood. They go into their house, into the people's house, and they would build long runs of cabinets. And there was always a lot of space between the doors and the drawers. And then when you want to remodel, you cannot take these out as one piece, right? Especially with no backs. Exactly. You end up with a pile of wood. But I found an interesting um, fact that in 1938, there was a guy named Curtis, and he started building modular cabinets in 1938. Imagine that. He started as a furniture builder in mid-America somewhere. So um, back to the cabinets, the metal cabinets seem to be popular. Did you uh, come across any metal cabinets when you were a kid? Uh, no, I did not. I really did not come across them until I started in the kitchen business, and then we were removing them from, from houses. Some some of the wood manufacturers that were known later on actually started with metal cabinetry. Yeah, they did? They did. Oh. Well, I in my research, I found that GE actually made metal cabinets. I thought that was interesting. Why they would... Because they were making, they were in the business of appliances. Maybe they just said, well, we might as well make cabinets to match the appliances. So for countertops in the 50s, one of the big things was uh, the 4x4 four four tiles, usually made by Dow, which they still make today. And sometimes they had the high backsplash, and sometimes they didn't. They would go, I don't think there was any rule where they stopped their, counter, their uh, backsplashes. But people would remember the higher bullnose edge on the tile, and that was so that the water wouldn't drip on their cabinets. Do you remember that? I do. So when I replace uh, some of these, people want that no-drip edge. You can't, have, you can't have it both ways. It either drips or it doesn't drip. If it's streamlined, you just have to be more careful. But that bullnose edge was very functional in those days. So I started looking at appliances in the 50s, and I was really shocked. That's when the toaster was um, brought into the, into the kitchen, this invention. God, and we still have toasters today that are just, they look about the same. But before, um, before that, I don't know what they did to toast their bread. I think we talked about that. Didn't they just put it on their gas burner <laughs> to toast their bread? Probably so. That's a little bit before my time, too, so I don't quite remember that. I, my great-grandmother had one of those old-fashioned little gizmos you put on the gas burner, and she just lay her toast on there, and if you counted to 10, it was okay. You count to 20, you had burnt toast. So um, the other thing for the, seven, or for the uh, 50s was the hand mixer. I guess they never had an electric hand mixer. Or electric skillets, or ice crushers, or toaster ovens. This has been so interesting. Yes, it has. Well, I'm glad you're staying awake for this. I'm glad I am, too. We better go to the 60s where you um, are more familiar. What did they do for cabinets in the 60s? Well, in the 60s is when uh, more manufactured cabinetry came in, both custom 
versus uh, modular, or at the time, it w- a lot of it was, was referred to as stock cabinetry, which would be warehoused uh, by distributors in limited uh, sizes and, and finishes. Uh, and then we had full custom, me being from back east, I, I dealt with a lot of the Pennsylvania, uh, at the time referred to as higher end, full custom brands. And what what wood species did they use? Mostly oak. Oak was number one. We used some cherry, we used some maple, and we used some birch. Again, that was sensitive to, to the East Coast. West, I understand, alder, because alder is a, is a West Coast wood, was sort of our birch. Hmm. So in the 60s, they were still using, they were using oak. I guess they just started using oak. And mm-hmm. the 60s, if you guys remember... Um, made popular the Harvest Gold and Avocado Green Appliances. Remember those ugly things? And don't forget the Copper do. Tone. And don't forget the Poppy Red, which was which was very short-lived. <laughs> and at the same time... Uh, oh, was that the 70s? Maybe I'm ahead of, my, maybe I'm ahead no, of myself. No, yeah, you are. Yeah, let's go to the 60s uh, countertops. They used Formica a lot. This had just become popular, and people were saying, hey, this is easy to clean. Uh, they don't have to clean the grout of the tiles. So they were starting to use Formica a lot. And that's when the post-form countertops came into being. Somebody thought, hey, rather than do a self-edge, remember in the, I think it was the 50s, if you had laminate or, like we said, linoleum, they would edge it with metal. But then in uh, the 60s, Formica was a very, um, well, it was cheap, and it was easy to use if you did a self-edge. Do you want to explain what a self-edge is? Well, self-edge is basically a strip of the same material that's used on the surface, and it's applied to the front edge of the underlayment material uh, and uh, allowed us to totally custom-build countertops. Back in my day when I started, we uh, we actually built countertops on, on the job site, and we, we could use the largest sheets up to 60 by 144 inches and eliminate seams and such. Hmm. Now, uh, the self-edge is nice, but the post-form then... Um, was just, well, post-form is they start at the backsplash. It's a four-inch backsplash, and then it rolls down, so you have a coved edge. You have no seams on your laminate, and then you follow through with the deck, and then the end is rolled. That's called a post-form or a, um, what do we call it, a post-form or a fully formed edge. Those are the cheapest countertops you can get. And you can buy them. They're called blanks. You can go over to a big box store and you can buy a four-foot blank or they come in four, six, ten, and 12. And you could just put your own countertops in. Beware of those miter corners, though. They're really hard to do. If you know what you're doing, they'll come out nice. Yes, that's true. But uh, that was very, very popular. And for appliances, let's see. What did they do in appliances? Well... The um, double ovens came into being, the electric cooktops, and the gas and electric uh, choices. Self-cleaning oven in the 1963, did you know General Electric introduced that? So I bef- did not. Well, before that, you had to clean your own oven. Ugh, that was terrible. And the dishwasher became more popular. 
So what would we do without a dishwasher and a self-cleaning oven? That makes kitchens less fun to work in. So do you have any comments about the 60s? I do remember that harvest uh, yellow and that ugly avocado green. Thank God they did away with that. Now we're into your era, the 70s. What about those cabinets? What did they? Uh, what was so different about the 60s and 70s? Well, with the 70s, uh, we we branched out into more customization, more accessories were beginning to, to be offered. Uh, things called called chef's pantries and roll out drawers and what is a chef's pantry? A chef's pantry uh, normally was 36 inches wide with two tall double doors, which had shelves attached to the doors, and then a rotating, a hinge rotating shelf component that utilized the back space that you could rotate out towards the front. They still have those today. They do. I have, um, I got to tell you, I've never sold one of those. I've never um, suggested one because I think the rollouts are more useful. I'll just tell you that. I agree. You have to buy a lot of canned foods and boxes to use those chef's pantries. I agree. Especially in today's kitchen, everybody's going for fresh fruits, fresh vegetables, and I think the bigger refrigerators are taking over the pantry. Exactly. Great. Oh, I just slipped in today. No, we got to go back to the 70s. I did notice in looking at one of your um, old-time kitchen magazines that you brought in today, thank you very much, that the door styles started to get more interesting. The raised panels, the uh, shaker, not so much shaker, the slatted, they almost look like wide slats. We had, it was called V-Groove by one of the manufacturers. Thank you, yes. Uh, cathedral door styles mm-hmm. came into vogue. Oh, uh, And painted doors, too. Painted doors, yes, yes. And again, um, more use of different wood species. Like what was popular then? Well, it's still oak was still number one. Oak was was number one in overall sales for probably twenty five thirty years. Uh, overdone. And overdone. Did I say that? Yeah, well, you did, and and that's what I used to say every time someone wanted oak. <laughs> After a certain period of time, I was very, very pleased when when the what we call the closed grain woods, the maples and the birches and Cherries. the alders and cherry, became more and more popular. That was more exciting to be able to work with something, uh, some something. Uh, yeah, after a different. while, in doing so much oak, don't you feel that everybody's kitchen looked the same? Well, they they started to because between the finishes and the door styles and the wood species, they did start to become repetitive. I noticed, too, the countertops. Um, were, you know what? In the 70s, laminate was still very popular. And I think mm-hmm. occasionally you would see somebody um, have granite, but very few people had granite. I'm looking to see what my notes were for Corian. I thought Corian was it was really popular in the seventies. Yes, Corian came out in the early seventies. I I remember having it in the first showroom I worked in, which was probably seventy two, seventy three ish. That it came out in very limited colors, one, two, three, three finishes. Yeah, white was a big one. (laughs) White. 
and sort of a yellowish print kind of. Well, they had a swirl, a couple of swirly colors. Yeah, exactly. But, um, well, here's a fact for you. In 1968, my parents had Corian. It didn't come out to the market till 81, which was really interesting. But they were able to uh, get it before it came out in the market because they knew somebody. So I was always impressed. They had that integral sink in the bathroom, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, in those days, though, we were talking about this, there was, um, they didn't uh, seam it together with an inconspicuous seam like they do today. They actually caulked it together with a tight seam. So, um, eh, what can with, I tell you? With a little you know, eighth inch. It was inch, almost there. Yeah, a little <laughs> eighth inch chamfer just to, just to let you know it was a seam, but to try to make it look like it was... Uh, it was meant to be there, I suppose. But it was easy to uh, clean, very easy to clean. So um, And it's repairable. Yeah, not that- as easy in those days. But So in the 70s, um, trash compactors came in. I think, when did the trash compactor go out? Because I'm not a proponent of that. Um, but it came in and everybody thought it was like a new toy, so they all had to have it. And also, remember the two-level stove where you had the bottom oven? And now, in that same 30 inches wide, they could offer you a second oven. So you're standing there, and you open the door, and you hit yourself in the head. Yes. As you're cooking on the burners right below that. That was an oddity that we used to try to discourage people from, along with odd widths of ranges, because back then, 30-inch range was kind of the norm, and once in a while, a manufacturer would come out with something that was just a little little off from that. Well, there and, was a 36 that was uh, popular, maybe it was the Tappan, God, I'm really digging back to my uh, memory here. I think you're right. Yeah, and then the side-by-side refrigerators started coming in in the 70s, and those corning cooktops, remember those white cooktops so you didn't see any burn or anything it was easy to clean mm-hmm. except everybody i knew had them that cracked mm-hmm. so they were no good there was something funny about those they only lasted about a couple of years and then you'd hear a big pop and then the whole top would crack how about the new tone food centers yes how many have we pulled out of the <laughs> uh, kitchens nowadays and they go right in the garbage and what about the downdraft Let's talk about so, that. So downdraft came on the on the on the marketplace about the same time as Corian, uh, because we we virtually introduced it to the public about at the same time with the downdraft and the the cartridges that you removed a grill you could replace a a two burner with a, a grill cartridge and keeping it in storage in a cabinet underneath uh, and uh, and then they had a single uh, grill. Uh, that that could be used separately. And Imagine that, grilling indoors, but the the uh, ventilation system I don't think could support that. So your house usually was full of um, oils and grease and smells. Well, particularly if it wasn't vented properly. Yeah, right. I mean that you know that there was like anything else there was a right and a wrong way to do it with how how many length of of uh, ductwork and how many elbows to put in and so forth and. And if someone just uh, did what they felt like doing, then uh, it was it was not good. In those days, there was no emphasis on lighting. They figured you turn on the switch, you lit your kitchen. Okay, let's get to uh, redoing the appliances and the cabinets. And nowadays, it's totally different. And why am I uh, meandering to lighting? Because 
Premier Lighting sponsors this podcast, and they have wonderful showroom in Scottsdale. You can go onto their website, shoppremier.com, and you can actually shop there on their website that they will deliver. You can also call them, and if you have any questions on LED lighting or if you want to add some more light fixtures to your house so that you can have a different look or anything, you can call them for anything. So go into shoppremier.com. I would appreciate that you support my sponsor, and I'm sure they would appreciate it too. So now we're in the, are we back into the 80s? Can we finally get into those 80s? Uh, 80s, the oak cabinets. My favorite thing about the 80s was the introduction of the kitchen island. Just about every kitchen I design has an island. What do you think? Do you think the island is the best invention since sliced bread? It certainly is as far as the kitchen is concerned. Yeah, I really I think so. I really think so, yes. So in the 80s, there st- well, there were a couple of things that we don't even use nowadays. One of them is a desk in the kitchen. Um, I think probably because of computers, um, you really don't have space in the kitchen to have a certain area just for computers. With laptops and you know little smartphones, you really don't need it. So that's something that came in, stayed for a couple of decades, and now it's out. But the uh, let's talk about the construction of the cabinets in the 80s. You want to discuss frameless cabinets? Because they weren't really popular until the 80s. That's true. In the 80s, uh, what became known as uh, European construction, or as you say, frameless cabinetry, I I used to identify it as a box because basically it is a box versus a, a, um, face, frame a face frame, which has styles and rails, vertical and, and horizontal, that's applied to the front of of the cabinetry, whereas uh, frameless is is just there, there, there is no front frame. And uh, the, the European concept of that... Uh, because kitchens were smaller in Europe, was was that that you would get more space? You would have more. You'd have wider drawers. You'd have wider cabinetry, particularly the drawers. Because uh, another thing that we had back then was a lot of side mounted draw glides. Mm-hmm. If we remember that, and so with 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 the frameless construction, then you gained oh upwards of an inch and a half or more in width of of drawers. Yeah, how many spoons and forks could you add to that inch and a half? A few. Well, a lot of people have said to me when I go into their kitchen, how do I know if it's frame or frameless? Well, if you don't see, for the most part, if you don't see the hinges when the doors are closed, you might have frameless. You might. You might. And why we're saying that is because you might have a wraparound hinge on a frame cabinet. Now, we're going to discuss all that in another show, but... Anyway, the frameless construction, European construction, or you've heard people say it's built on a millimeter system, that came into the 80s, very hot and heavy, and it's still extremely popular today. So with that, guess what came in that's very important for today? The home computers. They were they started to creep into the house in the 80s, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The over the count over the range microwaves, those lovely things that I can't stand. Oh yeah, still, still dread every, every time someone's requesting that. And, and. There's nothing wrong with them. Um, I've seen them 
over the countertop if you really want that look. But I think uh, microwaves over the range are a big thing for apartments because they save time. But they're probably one of the more dangerous things you can install in your kitchen. It is. That's that's true. I mean, it's, it's definitely, particularly depending on one's height, uh, could be a safety hazard for sure. Yeah, I still, well, I don't like them. Well, there's a lot of things I don't like about those uh, microwaves. So I do like the microwave in the drawer, but there again, we're going to talk about that next week. Uh, so another thing that came in in the 80s was those solid hubs on the electric range. Remember those? Instead of the coils, some genius invented these cast iron hubs. And so it was like a black disc. They were hard to clean. They showed everything. They didn't cool down fast. They didn't heat up fast. But everybody said, yeah, but I don't have the food dropping into the coil area, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't have to clean those little pans. But that caused more problems. I so, have one. More, I have one more thing that that came in in the eighties. Did that you was, just wake up? I did. Yeah, and <laughs> and, and, and we're almost done. Um, Gee, <laughs> thank you. Was the uh, commercial ranges being used in res- residential applications? Uh, I personally use two Wolf ranges. In the mid '80s, I, I would say, and we actually had to allow a space on either side of of the range because of the heat, because it was a it was an uninsulated commercial uh, product actually be, be, being used. And and now, of course, that's you know high end kitchens, uh, you know, associated with with uh, commercial type ranges that that are much more refined today than they were. Well, they had to adapt them to the residential market. But in your day when you did that commercial, I think it was a wolf range, you said? It was wolf, yes. It had a grease trap. It had a grease trap. Not something we want to put in today's kitchens. But, you know, a lot of people use that as as a status thing. You know, oh, look at my range. Now it's more industrial. It doesn't look like everybody else's 30-inch range. So, I mean, it had its place. I can't complain about it. Thank God we've, we're still using the commercial look, but it's been um, changed and it, it's made finer. So what the heck did they use for countertops in the 80s? Well, guess what? They were starting to use more tile. Uh, they started to use tile squares, 12 by 12s. You still had that great, uh, the grout problem, mm. but they had tighter joints. And then they had the drop edge and tile. And if mm. you weren't careful, you always found them on the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But granite was starting to come in. It wasn't that popular because it was really expensive. But anyway. That's, that's true. All of a sudden... People were requesting granite, and now here we are. With the- well, I used to say that the uh, laminate was the, well, it was your budget countertop. Corian was more popular, and the solid, the engineered stone hadn't come out yet. And so if you wanted a kitchen steps above the Corian, you had to go to the granite. Exactly. And not to fast too far forward, but the irony of things coming back is that in Europe now laminates are are on the are on the increase to be used for, for countertops. And I think part of that is because there's a lot of different laminates coming out that are being used for doors. Mm-hmm. So then they have the 
continuous look of what's on your door front and what's on your countertop. The minimalistic kind of, <laughs> yeah, kind of look. Yeah. yeah, and more of... But, hey, I don't want to give away any secrets. We'll talk about that next week. So I think we've uh, gone from 1950s to the 80s quite well. I think we've covered everything, hopefully. Do you have any last-minute uh, things to say before? I'm good. I think we did a good job, Nancy. So looking forward to next week. Oh, I am too. In the meantime, if you have any questions or if you have any comments on maybe the kitchens you grew up with, you can email me at nancy at nancyhugo.com. In the meantime, thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to subscribe, I would appreciate that because, and also share these podcasts. I try to do these as an educational tool. So you never know what I'm going to talk about, but um, I'm having fun doing it and I hope you're having fun listening. Until then, bye now. Bye now.